I'd ask that uh, if you're at home and you have your Bibles ready, that you turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 9, I'm sorry, not 19, 91. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I see God working in my life personally in so many ways. He does so many personal things geared to just me. I, I can't tell you how many times I have uh, seen his hand. And uh, honestly, at this point in my life, I just laugh. I laugh to, to see how many surprises he gives. It's, it's, I used to call it coincidence. I used to believe that just strange things happened. Now I, I see God's hand in it. Sometimes it's in very comforting ways. Sometimes it's in uh, very... Um, I don't hear him condemning anymore in my life, uh, but I do hear him saying, TJ, you can do better. TJ, you can do better. It's almost an encouragement, really. It's, it's amazing how when our perceptions get closer to who God really is, when we start to see who he really is, that we don't see the shame and the guilt. We see the grace and the forgiveness and the love of the cross. Now, that doesn't mean I get to do whatever I want. That doesn't mean I get away scot-free. It's not what that's about. This is about me becoming the fullest person that God made me to be. So there are times when I see his hand of comfort and peace. There are times when I see his hand of encouragement. TJ, you can be better. There are times when I'm just blown away by uh, how much he loves me and how he puts strange things in my life. Honestly, I, I think he has the greatest sense of humor. I really do. Um, but I, I say all this to say Psalm 91, which is so appropriate for this moment has been a psalm that um, I haven't visited in many years until just a month or two ago when all of a sudden I came on Psalm 91 and started to read it and there's a passage in there that we'll get to that hit me in that time. It's uh, specifically the one, you'll know it when we get to it, that says, I do not fear the night or the day, the terror that I have. And just speaking for myself, um, there are times in the middle of the night I will wake up and I will just be afraid. I will do, and I think, what is the deal? You know, to have a bad nightmare or a bad taco? I don't know, when the Taco Bell got me. Why am I, but I do, I lay there in the middle of the night and I just start to think of everything that could go wrong in my life. And I start to think of everything that is wrong and, and what if this happens and what if that happens? And the Lord led me back to Psalm 91. I will not fear the terror at night. And it brought me a lot of comfort. And so that doesn't mean in the middle of the night that I don't fear anymore. It means that when I fear, I meet that fear with this statement from Psalm 91. Now, this was about a month ago, but I'd read through this chapter several times. And then as things with the coronavirus, with COVID-19 started to ramp up and ramp up, and now we find ourselves here, or in your case, there, right? Psalm 91, it was almost like everything fit together. And it was like, oh, Lord, I see. That's why you had me here. So I want to go to Psalm 91 this morning. I want to read through this. I want to bring up a few points. And then, again, I hope you have gathered with other believers. And I would pray that you take this psalm, take maybe the points that I'm giving, and use that as a time of discussion and encouragement where you are. Uh, the service doesn't end with just you clicking off of Facebook or YouTube and uh, you know, going on. No, no, the service should continue wherever you're at. Psalm 91, starting with verse 1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked." If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make, your, uh, make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Of course, Psalm 91 starts out with this beautiful statement in verse 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress in God, my God, in whom I trust. I love this because what do we need right now? More than ever, we need this rest, this shadow of the Almighty. I love the beautiful picture we get with this metaphor of of being sort of covered by the shadow of the Lord, the shelter, the protection that that offers. Now, now I get it, this statement, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. Uh, A refuge, a fortress, a place of safety, a place of protection, a place of, of comfort. You know, in a word, home. The Lord is my home, the place I long to be, the place I go to. I heard uh, one time a person defined home as a safe place to land. I I really like that. This idea that when your life is collapsing, you go home, it's a safe place to crash. That is the Lord. The problem is I go to other things to be my refuge. I go to other things for comfort. I go to other things for protection. And we're we're seeing that in the panic right now. People will go to anything, anything, it seems, for comfort, protection. I mean, they're grasping at straws, right? Anything for protection and comfort. But the only real comfort comes from the Lord, comes from the Lord. Now, in my life, I've come to realize that there's a lot of layers of hiding that I do. A lot of layers of hiding that I have. In fact, I'm I'm at a point where I have to ask the Lord, Lord, you got to show me these other layers because they are so deep in there. I've got a lot of baggage. But you, God, are my fortress, and I want you to be my shelter. So the Lord comes in, and he takes these things, and he says, I'm going to take them away, TJ, so that I can show you that I am all you need. I am all you need. It's funny how uh, we've seen in our culture that when, when people have panic, they go to control. They go in hyper-control mode, right? And, and I'm afraid we might see more and more of that. You see it in the panic with all the runs. I, I just had somebody send me a picture uh, yesterday of the meat shelves in Kroger and the Kroger produce. I mean, it's all stripped bare. 
you know, there's nothing left because it was just a panic. A, a panic. I mean, we've seen it on toilet paper, uh, cleaning supplies. I get that. You know, of course, we need more cleaning supplies and all that. But toilet paper and, and then Kroger meat department, you know, it's control. We think that, oh, if we can get prepared, if we can get ready, then we can somehow control our environment. And it doesn't take, you know, COVID-19 to really show us that we are control freaks at heart. And if it's not something major that we control all the parts of our life and all the people in our life, then we go to minor things as well. We are control freaks. God is saying here, you don't need to be a control freak because the reality is there's very little you can control and very little you need to control. All we really need to do is rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The word for me over the last several years has been receive learning to receive from the Lord. That doesn't mean I'm lazy or inactive. That means I go to Him, though. I go to Him for my comfort. I go to Him for my hope. I go to Him for the promises that we have. The promises that we have. See, the, the next part here, uh, down in verse 5, you will not fear. And that statement, you will not fear, covers the next several verses. So, you will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow by day, the pestilence, the plague, and he goes on and on. Hear me, though. It doesn't say you're not going to suffer. It doesn't say you're not going to be hurt. Okay? It says you will not fear them. You will not fear them. Now, I get how people could take this and turn it into something it's not. You could take this and you could say, well, it says in verse 10, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come to your tent. So you know what? If I just uh, say I love the Lord and I give my life to him, then everything is going to be fine. Everything's going to be peachy, right? No harm. I won't get sick. Uh, poverty is not going to be an issue. I'm going to have great relationships. You know, God's going to save my marriage and save my family and it'll all be good. I could see how you could twist that. But we know that's not the intention of this passage, because when you go several years later, when Jesus is getting ready to start his ministry, before he did, he went into the desert. And for 40 days, he was in the desert, and it seemed to culminate with the enemy, uh, the devil, coming to him. And that he came to him with, with three temptations. The first one was, hey, you're hungry, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus' response was, man doesn't live by bread alone. The last one was, if you bow down and worship me, then I'll give you everything. Basically, you can have salvation without the cross, right? And Jesus says, you've got it all wrong. Depart from me, Satan. You only worship the Lord. The second temptation, though, was the devil brought Jesus up to the highest place on the Temple Mount, and uh, he said to him, you know what, if you are the son of God, I love that if, if you are the son of God, jump on down. Because it says in the Bible, it says Jesus in the words, the words that you wrote, you said, yeah, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll lift you up in their hands. So here, my devil voice is really sarcastic. It's, it's a shtick. So they'll lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike a foot against a stone. You can almost hear the devil say that. Go ahead. If you're the son of God, do it. Do it. Do you remember what Jesus' response was? Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6, and he said, Do not put the Lord to the test. It's an odd way of rebuking this 
this statement, this dare that the devil was making. But I think what Jesus is saying is, Satan, it's not what I want, it's what the Lord wants. It's not what I want. I'm not here to, to be Superman. I'm not here to jump off things and, and to uh, let the angels take care of me. I'm here to serve the Lord. Thou shalt not, I hear it in the King James in my head, thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test, right? Jesus is saying, it's not that you won't hurt. It's not that you won't suffer. It's that these things will not control you. They will not dominate you. They will not beat you. See, where I see problems, God sees promise. Where I see opposition, God sees opportunity. No greater place is this seen than in the life of Jesus. Where Jesus saw the cross right in front of him. And he prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, please but not my will, but yours. Jesus knew the way of the cross would lead to joy. And my brothers and sisters, whatever you're going through right now, God wants to turn it to joy. Whatever hardship you're going through, God wants, he wants it not to beat you. He wants it not to shape you or to control you. We let our circumstances control us. When, when this psalm is saying, no, no, you should not fear the storm. The storm should fear you. You'll tread on the lion and the cobra and trample the great lion and the serpent. Those things that are so terrifying to you, they should be afraid of you. It's not about living an easy life. It's about living a fearless life. It's about living a life filled with the hope and the promise that, you know what, whatever you endure, God promises he will turn to something amazing and something great. Now, now you know what? God is so great that he will use our suffering for others. Again, look to Jesus. Again, look to the cross. God took the suffering of Jesus and he blessed the entire world with it. What if you knew what if you had an assurance that whatever you were going through right now, God was going to use it to save your family, to save your friends, to save the people in your community? Would you give up your life for that? Would you lay it down? Most of us would. Most of us knew or would, I think, if we had a guarantee that what we are going through will result in the salvation and the blessing of others, we would do it. The problem is we lose sight of the truth of that very fact that God wants to turn everything in our life, especially, I believe, the suffering and the hurt and the harm and turn it to something amazing. Folks, again, where we see uh, panic and viruses, God sees an opportunity for the church to be the church, not just to do church, but to be the church. My hope is that even right now in your homes, you are being the church, that you've come together in the name of Jesus to encourage and love one another, and as the Bible says, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. It doesn't mean that we don't suffer. It means that these things don't control us, shape us, or define us. Let me get one more last point here out of Psalm 91, starting with verse 15. He will call on me and I will answer him. 
and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you saw the salvation of the Lord? When was the last time you heard the salvation of the Lord? The Lord promises that when you call, He answers. When you call, He answers. Maybe you've never called on Him, and you need to do that. Even right now, if you call on Him, even from home, He answers you. Or maybe you did it one time, and, and you say, well, I don't know when the last time I heard Him speak. I don't know when the last time I saw His salvation right? But this is a statement for us. When we call on Him, He will answer. A statement that's repeated several times in the Scriptures. It's not just Psalm 91. Several times it's mentioned when we call on Him, when we call on the name of the Lord, which is, which is simply saying, God, I need help and I need you. I need you. When we do that, He comes running to us. He answers. The problem is we are not listening the problem is we're not looking, but He's there. He is there. All the promises of Psalm 91 are for us today. It wasn't just written thousands of years ago to one small people in one small remote part of the world. It was written for us today. It was written for the church today. It was written for this time We shall not fear because the Lord is revealing to us his salvation. It's revealing to us His salvation. And salvation is not just a one-time event. It is a wonderful thing that starts and then grows. It grows. See, God is not just in for fire insurance. It's not what Jesus is about. You know, if, if that's what it was all about, then, then, you know, the minute we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if God was, was wise, He would just take me immediately up to be with Him, right? So I couldn't screw anything up, and bam, there I'm saved. But it's, it's not about that. It is about salvation, is about becoming more like Jesus. And it's about me learning to lay more of myself down, the more of my fears down, more of my control down, more of my baggage. It's the things I really don't want anyway, but I have a hard time giving up, laying down my control, laying down my control. What is it this morning that you need to lay down? What is it you need to lay down? What are the promises you need to take up? See, that's the awesome exchange here. We lay down and we take up, we lay down, we give to the Lord all the crumb stuff, and we receive all the great things, the riches of His grace, uh, Paul calls it, the riches in Christ Jesus. What is it that you need to lay down, or maybe ask yourself this morning, what is it you need to pick up? I say that because this time, especially this week that's coming up, we need to be the church of Jesus the body of Christ. We need to be courageous. We need to be unified. And we need to be open to receive and see what God is doing in this time. Let me repeat that. We need to be courageous without fear, okay? Well, you know what? Sometimes courageous is facing the fears and going through it anyway. Courageous doesn't mean that you don't have any kind of those. It's like I was saying at the beginning of the sermon. I wake up in the middle of the night. My brain is racing a mile a minute. I'm practically in a panic attack. 
God doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to take all that away. God says, TJ, I'm going to give you the tools to fight it so that you'll be greater than that terror. We need to be courageous, clinging to those promises like the ones in Psalm 91. We need to be courageous. We need to be unified. You know, when we're not able to meet as a body in a building, we're still the tribe, we're still the body of Christ. I encourage you this week, make it a point to listen whom God is going to lay on your heart to reach out to them. Reach out in a phone call. You know, that's an awesome thing about where we live. I mean, I, I'm the, the times we live in, I'm able to video this in, you know, on those that have Facebook and YouTube and computers. How amazing is that? But you know what? Even if you don't have those things, almost everyone, I don't know anyone that doesn't have a phone. You know, you think about the people that might be stuck at home and it's just them. If the Lord lays them on your heart, pick up that phone and call them and say, hey, I, you're not forgotten about. I love you. God loves you. You know what? Let me say a prayer for you right now over the phone. We need to be unified as the body of Christ. And lastly, we need to be willing to see and open to see what God is going to do in these confusing times. Folks, it's unprecedented. I get, I get it. It's unprecedented. I, I knew that uh, the governor had canceled school for three weeks when I heard the giant cheer going up from all the kids and the groaning from all the parents and the teachers, right? I, I, I kid. It's unprecedented stuff. Unprecedented. So what greater opportunity for the church to say, God, we don't know what's going on, but you are in control and we want to follow wherever you lead. I pray you take that, take Psalm 91 and use it this week to combat fear, to draw us together in unity and to see what God is doing. Let's pray and then go in peace. Father God, we have come gathered in the name of Jesus, whether it's uh, through computer or, or whatever medium, Lord, we've come gathered in the name of your Son because we know that your mercy is more. We know that you have given us triumph over fear. We know that you are doing great things, and we want to be a part of those things. God, you are good, and this is an amazing time to be alive. And every one of us is here to be your reflection, to be your light. I pray for the church of Christ that she would rise up in this time, that she would be your hands and feet, that she would be the body of Jesus, that she would show the world that we are not afraid, that we are not afraid, that fear does not control us, fear does not define us, and fear does not rule us. Lord, there may be days of sacrifice ahead. There may be days of hardship. We don't know. But Lord, help us to face those days together in you, together never doubting your promise, together clinging to the hope we have in Jesus Christ. God, God, help us in this. Help us, because we're, we're broken people. I'm a broken man. But God, you are great and you are good. And there's no question that you have made us, you have made me for this time. So Father God, my sins may be great, but your mercy is more. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, tribe. You may go in peace. <laughs>